in your Bibles this morning, Luke, Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12, the setting is this, a great multitude of people have gathered around and Jesus is teaching them. The Bible says that the multitude is so big and so vast that they're stepping on each other and uh, they're having a little bit of trouble. But Jesus is teaching and right in the middle of his teaching, someone raises their hand. It's a guy that you've met before. He's the guy that the greatest things going on, the greatest uh, teachings going on, and he raises his hand, he has the dumbest question to ask. How many of you ever met that person? And uh, if you're that person, don't raise your hand. But at uh, any rate, this guy, he just speaks up, and the only thing he's concerned about, I mean, Jesus is teaching some amazing things, and uh, he is a really, uh, I mean, some glorious things. You need to read the first part of chapter 12, and you'll be like, wow, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere, this guy raises his hand, and he says, Master, will you speak to my brother? And he divide his inheritance with me. <laughs> it begins this message in a parable that you'll find familiar, but some things I think will help you as we look together at God's Word. Chapter 12 of the book of Luke, beginning in verse number 13. Here it is. The Bible says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou, shalt, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then, those, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And I want you to pay attention to that last phrase in verse 21. The Bible says rich toward God. We have a story. It begins with this, uh, uh, the bonehead, I want to call him. I think that's a technical term for this guy. Uh, master? <laughs> And he says, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. And Jesus begins and says, you shouldn't be covetous. And then he tells the story about a rich man. He says, there was a rich man. And he had a great year on the farm. The crops were bumper and beyond. And the rich man was so proud of how good he'd done and how rich he was. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. And I'm going to lay back enough store for me so that I can kick my feet up, eat, drink, and be merry. And the Bible says this, But God, but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And then the Lord says the verse that I'm paying the most attention to, to begin with, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. 
The Bible says this man who had everything the world could provide and had a plan for his future, God says that's foolish to trust in worldly wealth. It's foolish to trust in worldly wealth and not be rich toward God. Now, there's some people who want to say that being rich is a sin. That's foolish. That's wrong. Some people have this idea that tearing down that building barns or tearing down old barns is a sin. It's not. As a matter of fact, it's good. It's good for God to bless people. And being rich is not a sin. And having things is not a sin. And aspiring to be great is actually something that all of us should do. But the warning of the text and the warning of the Scripture is that when we make worldly riches our goal, when we make worldly riches our safety net, when we make worldly riches more important to us than God's will, then we made a terrible mistake. As we think about graduates on graduation Sunday, and as we think about every one of us breathing air today, who if the Lord tarries his coming and we live, we have the opportunity to do something with our lives. I want to remind you of something. Your goal should be first and foremost to be rich towards God. The richness of your soul should be the byproduct of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's some facts. If you're poor and unhappy, if something happens that you become rich, you will remain unhappy. If you're poor and happy, and something happens that you become rich, as long as you do not make those riches your God, you'll be happy too. You see, it's not the amount of things that you have that make you happy. That's a lie that our society tells us. You see, richness towards God is what gives us foundation. It's what gives us stability. Richness towards God is what gives us hope. Richness towards God is the key to a successful life. And eternity. And God warns this crowd of people who are literally standing on each other, listening to Jesus teach. And Jesus says, If I've got an opportunity to teach these people, I'm going to tell them something very important. You need to be rich towards God. Are you rich towards God? And Lord, help us to be rich towards God. It's so important that we do. It's easy to get sucked into civilization, to society. Mark Twain said it like this. He said, civilization is a limitless multiplication of unnecessary necessities. Did you hear that? Mark Twain said, civilization is a limitless multiplication of unnecessary necessities. <laughs> Isn't it so? Someone else said this. They said, that man is richest whose pleasures are cheap. <laughs> I'll tell you. The things of this world will leave you empty. But if you're rich towards God, the things of this, wor of this world are sweet. Oh, it's good. May the Lord help us to be rich towards God. There's a few things I want to warn you about and some things you need to be aware of. Be aware of. 
in regards to this being rich towards God. If you're going to be rich towards God, number one, you need to be aware of covetousness. Aware of covetousness. A lot of times covetousness is something that we kind of overlook. It's kind of something that we put down as a lower sin and the nature of the human being. But I'll tell you something. The Bible teaches that covetousness is sin. Covetousness is when you have a sinful desire or anger because of something someone else has that you don't. Covetousness. You can covetous. You can be covetous of people's things. You can be covetous of people's looks. Most people are covetous of my looks and my height and my width. I mean, everybody can't be perfect. And my hairdo. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can be covetous of people's appearances. You can be covetous of people's families. Covetous of people's possessions. And when you respond to something that someone has that's good and great with any form of malice, you're covetous. You know, we should learn to be happy for people that have things that we don't. That's the spirit of a Christian. Covetousness. Are you covetous? We need to be aware of covetousness. And I'll just tell you, all of us in some form or fashion deal with covetousness. The Bible says in verse number 13, we meet up with the bonehead. He says in verse number 13, One of the company said to him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Now, the truth is, Jesus can judge and Jesus can divide. But he says, this is kind of silly, uh, what you've said. This is kind of uh, foolish, what you've said. And he begins to teach us something about covetousness. The man has spoke up, and all he can think about is himself. Can you imagine being this great multitude of people? And Jesus is talking about his creation. Jesus is talking about how much God loves people. Jesus is talking about how faithful God is. And this man speaks up and says, Hey, you tell my brother to divide our inheritance. <laughs> Evidently, it must have been his brother's to begin with. Or he'd have never asked for it. It was one of those deals where this guy, all he could think about, even when Jesus was talking about how he's more valuable than all, that the people are more valuable than all of creation, how good God is, all he could think about is, my brother took my 50 bucks, you know? My brother cheated me out of my inheritance. And the Lord says, all right, buddy. And I'm thankful that Jesus takes questions like this. And if you're in that spot, he's patient with you and he loves you. But he's going to send a message. And the message that he's going to send is he's going to send it to all of us. He says, now listen, guys, verse 15. He said to them, take heed. He says, pay attention to what you just saw. Take heed. Listen to me. Beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. He says, I want to show you something, guys. He says, your life does not consist of the things that you possess. But how many of us believe that the things we possess are the what give us credibility? It's easy to get in a spot in your life where the position that you hold is your identity. And without that identity, you feel lost. But I want you to know something. There is more to life than a title. 
There's more to life than a position or an occupation. There's much more to life than the things that you possess. A lot of people have this idea that the neighborhood that I live in is what makes my life, but that's not right. Or the fact I don't live in a neighborhood at all makes my life. We, we identify with those things, and we use these socioeconomic uh, identities. But I'll just have you know something. You can be happy in the lowest of the low or the highest of the high or the middle of the road. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, then you're going to be in good shape. But covetousness, I'm going to tell you something, is going to ruin your life. Covetousness will get your eyes off of God. Covetousness will get you, your eyes onto things. Covetousness will cause you to sacrifice your morals in order to get things you think you deserve and that will make you happy. But all along the way, they'll make you less and less happy. You know what happens? A covetous person gets what they yearned for that someone else had. You know what the next thing is? They want whatever they look at next. You get it, and you want more. You get it, you want more. You get it, you want more. You get it, you want more. Hey, there's no end to it. It's vicious. Most of the world's billionaires. You know what they get up every day wanting? More. And that's, I mean, it's fine to want more. It's fine to go after. It's fine to be successful. But let me tell you something. If you think more is going to make you happy, you've got a problem. And covetousness is your sin. Beware. As you embark in life, you need to, if you're not happy, you need to stop right where you are. You need to get on your face before God and you need to ask the Lord to make you content in the state that you're in. And begin a life of contentment and satisfaction with whatever situation God's put you in. Because if you don't get that right now, you won't have it right when you're 85, 86, 87, 90, 95, 100, 110. You'll be dealing with the same problem. You'll be looking at everybody else upset because they've got something you think you deserve but never got the right to get. Or they, you got, you got uh, cheated out of. And your problem is not that you can't be happy. Your problem is you won't be happy until you look to Jesus for your satisfaction. Covetousness. Covetousness. You know, sometimes we look at covetousness and we think, oh, it's one of these baser, lower sins. It's not as, I mean, you know, murder, adultery, covetousness. <laughs> Let me tell you how God feels about covetousness. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 5. You may make a note of it. Here's what the Bible says. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, oh, that's a bad one. Uncleanness, in this context, a bad one. Inordinate affection, bad. Evil concupiscence, bad. And covetousness, the Bible says, which is idolatry. Let me read it to you again. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness. The Bible says, which is idolatry. What's the Bible say covetousness is? The Bible says that's idolatry. If I ask you, how many of you are idolaters, would you please raise your hand? I mean, we don't have, I don't think, we have Buddhas in our closets and shrines to unknown gods in our yards that we bow to and idol worshipers. But the bottom line is when you let anything come between you and God, it is an idol and you're an idolater. And the Bible specifically says that covetousness is idolatry. It's idolatry. You know what? We need to let the Lord make us happy. And we need to know that the only place that we will ever find true contentment, satisfaction, is in the Lord. 
covetousness. Be aware of covetousness. Be aware of covetousness. Number two, be aware of selfishness. Be aware of selfishness. In this text, we meet two very selfish people. Number one, uh, master, selfish. Number two, that one, you kind of got, and who knows, he may be the smartest man in the room, but when I see him and think about him in this story, he's, he's kind of, he's foolish. And number two, you've got a rich man. Now, I'll just tell you, on this particular day, when Jesus starts telling the story and describing this guy, you think, whoa, I want to be like him. He's the kind of guy that's got it all worked out. And this day, if you were to have uh, enough crops and crop land in order to bring in a harvest that would give you enough to retire, this man had it all. I mean, he had farms and lands and he had employees and he had it all. I mean, he was rocking and rolling. And you look at that, boy, I want to be like him. If anybody's happy, this guy's happy. But let me tell you something about this man that should be happy, this man that should be satisfied, this man that should be, wow, hey, man, this is great. Thank you, Lord. This man's not satisfied because when the bumper crop comes rolling in, what does he do? Ah, this is good enough. Thank you, Lord. I'll share, blah, 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 whatever. No, he says, <laughs> I've always wanted a bigger barn. I've always wanted a bigger staff. I've always wanted, hmm, I know what I'm going to do. Now, I look at the text. It's fascinating to see. I want you to pay attention to all the times that he mentions I, my, me, mine. Look at the Bible in verse number 16. Jesus spake a parable unto them saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, thus will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Well, I, this guy, man, me, I, 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 I. Did you see all of them? My fruits, my soul, my goods, my barn. I'm going to tell you something. This guy was so caught up with himself that he thought that he could not fail. Now, like I said, there's nothing wrong with a rich man. There's nothing wrong with great possessions and big barns. I think that's great. But there is something wrong when you get to the place where you have become so deceived by the wealth of this world or the pursuit of the things of this world, that you somehow think that you can do life without God. You can't. You can't. What do you have that God didn't give you? If we just bring it down to brass tacks, right to the bottom line, there's nothing we possess that God did not provide. You see... This man, particular man, let's think about what he had that God didn't provide. The answer is nothing. The thing that had him thinking that he was going to be set for life was the fact that God had sent the perfect weather for the perfect crop. Who sent the sunlight? Who sent the rain? Who provided the ground and the dirt and the creation? Who provided the laborers? God. Now, if we want to be just honest 
We couldn't get here without food, clothing, and shelter. You can't be where you are without the things that are necessary to sustain life. And let me tell you where the things necessary to sustain, sustain life come from. Not from some lab, not from some chemist, not from some doctor, not from some engineer. They all find their roots in the creation of God. They all find their substance and sustenance, their continuation in the elements that God provides. Without sunlight, there is no future. Without rain and water, there is no future. Without oxygen and carbon dioxide, there is no future. And how many of you can produce enough for us all to survive on? The answer is zero. You see, we have nothing that God didn't give us. And it should give us an air of humility that says, Lord, I need you. I depend on you. And the fun thing about it is honest people know this is true, whether they believe in God or not. They understand that there are lots of things out of their control. But those of us who know God, who know Jesus Christ by faith, their Savior, we can rest in the fact that God's going to provide for us. And the humble, the humble approach to life that I need God and God is good to me and God is faithful is, a, is an approach to life that gives us success and gives us joy and gives us peace. Hey, let me tell you something. Rich towards God is what you need. Be aware of covetousness. Be aware of selfishness if you think the whole world revolves around you you're way off and we were to ask you you may not acknowledge that but the way you react and respond when things don't go your way you're selfish let me tell you selfishness does not lead to happiness selfishness does not lead to happiness you know who the most miserable people that ever exist are selfish people You know why? Because that's not how God designed us to thrive. How did God design us to thrive? God designed us to thrive as we serve other people. The world says, just like this rich man, I, 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 my, my, my. But you know what happens? If you emphasize you all the time, if all you care about is you, if you try to get what you can get for you and you don't care who you have to call or hurt to get there or what laws or what rules or what commandments of God you have to break in order to get what you want, do you know what that leads to? Loneliness. Loneliness. You may have people who put up with you, but if all you care about is you is The end is lonely. You may end up with a pocket full of money and all the riches that you ever imagined you could ever have. But let me tell you something. That end is lonely. And God didn't design you that way. Do you know who I find to be happy? The people I meet that are the happiest, and I've met thousands and thousands of them, are husbands who care more about what their wife needs than what they need and serve their wives and wives who care more about what their husband needs than, than what they need and serve their husbands. And parents who love and serve their children. And children who love and serve their parents. And church members who love and serve others. And churches who love and serve 
their community. And the people that you meet that are the happiest are the people who are always trying to get another dollar for themselves or get another thing for themselves or another satisfaction, another check mark off of their earthly goals. It's the people who want to help somebody else. I find out they're happy. And they may be poor and they may be rich and they may be right in the middle. But people who love and serve other people are the people who find themselves happy, selfish. You see, if you're going to be rich towards God, you're not going to be rich towards self. You need to be aware of covetousness. You need to be aware of selfishness. And finally, number three, you need to be aware of God. What makes all this possible? What makes it possible to win the battle over covetousness? And it's a battle. I know it is. What makes it possible to win the battle over selfishness? And it's a battle. I know it is. What makes it possible? God makes it possible. Look what the scripture says in verse number 20. This man declares what he's going to do. He says, I'm going to eat and drink and be merry and take my ease. But God, verse 20, you see that? But God. Let me tell you something. All your plans are foolish if you leave God out. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Now, now look, providing for life is right. But if you've provided for life and neglect eternity, man, you've blown it. You've provided for the very shortest part of your existence. If I build up a big 401k, and I think they're important, I think it's good, and I pray that your 401ks look better this year than they did last year, and all God's people said amen. But if you build up a big 401k and you work on retirement and you get to retire, and I hope you get to. I hope you get to retire earlier than you ever expected. I hope it's right. But if you get to retire and live out the end of your days eating and drinking and taking ease and being merry, I think that's okay if you're doing it God's way. But let me tell you something. If you've provided for your retirement and you've failed to do anything for your eternity, you're a fool. You've made investments in what might last for 20 or 30 years, if you're fortunate, instead of making investments and preparing for something that's going to last forever. Eternity. But God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required. Verse 21, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Hey, look, you need to be rich towards God. What does God have to offer I'm glad you asked. Verse 22, look what he says. He said unto his disciples, he says, Therefore, in light of all of this, he says, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for your body, what you shall put on. The life is more than meat. The body is more than raiment. He says, you don't have to worry about all this stuff. He says, don't make this the greatest concern of your life. Verse 24, he says, consider. Consider the ravens. Think about the birds. They neither sow nor reap, neither have storehouse nor barn. God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the fowls? See, God will take care of you. That doesn't mean we can't be productive or we shouldn't be. We should be. But God will take care of you. And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? 
How many of you think that you could really, by the power of positive thinking, make yourself taller? I'd like to be taller and thinner. And I keep thinking about it, but it ain't doing nothing. I always want to be six foot tall and over 200 pounds. I've reached one of my goals. And it's not six feet tall. I can think about it all I wanted to, but it ain't going to help nothing. But God, he's able to take care of things. He says in verse 26, If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies. Think about the flowers. How they grow. They toil not. They spin not. Yet I say unto you that Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, ye of little faith, seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Verse 31 is very important. Look at it. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What's he say? Seek the kingdom of God. Now look, if you seek the Lord... He's going to take care of you. If you seek the Lord, he's going to guide you to the right career. If you seek the Lord, he's going to guide you to the right spouse. If you seek the Lord, he's going to protect you. He's going to bless you. Like a father guiding his children, God takes care of us. And you don't have to be covetous. You don't have to be selfish. You can rest in the Lord. You can rest in the Lord. You can be strong in the Lord. You can be rich toward God. Look, if you set out to be rich with the things this world has to offer, if you get rich in this world and fail in your riches towards God, you've failed. May our primary goal be to be rich towards God. He's faithful. He's faithful. You can trust him. Reach towards God. Be aware of covetousness. Be aware of selfishness. And be aware of the faithfulness of God. Let's pray.